Welcome to another exciting podcast brought to you by Mesa Christian Church. Thank you, Lord, for this day where we honor you. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are here to make this so real for us. Whether this is our first Easter as a Christian or maybe our 50th year as a Christian, I just thank you right now you would make this so real to our lives because you cried out and said, it is finished. And I thank you for that, Lord. Oh, it is finished. And we thank you for that today in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's take our seats. So good to be uh, back and eating... uh, Aussie food. I love Thai food, but three times a day is a bit of a challenge for your body. But we survived, hey Tim? (laughs) You saw a photo of the wedding. We went out to a wedding. That was the most colourful event, but the food was even more colourful afterwards. Um, Some of the soups, I'm not quite sure what was in there, but we were very cautious. They love chicken, but they cut the whole chicken up whole, everything, ins and outers and everything, and cook it all up. So that's sort of Gets you going, eh? <laughs> it's great to be here today and to worship God. Those verses we looked at in Mark 15, verses 25 to 39 that Mary Lynn read, read, it says there that Jesus cried out twice there. It says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? What a cry from the Son of God in verse 34. And then we go down into verse 37, and it says, with a loud cry... Jesus breathed his last. The curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. And when the centurion who stood there in front of Jesus saw how he died, he said, surely this man was the Son of God. This loud cry in verse 37 is most definitely the cry that's recorded in John 19.30, which says, when he had received the drink, Jesus cried out, it is finished. And he cried that out from the depths of his being before he died. And he cried out and said, it's finished. He bowed his head and gave up his spirit. The loud cry indicates that Jesus did not die the ordinary death of others that were crucified. Sadly, it was a common way of uh, punishing criminals in that time, in the Roman times, who normally suffered long periods of complete agony exhaustion, and then unconsciousness before dying. But Jesus was on the cross for six hours, went through the suffering and trial the night before, but he was on the cross for six hours, six of the most climactic hours of history and eternity because God the Father sent his Son to make a way for us to be forgiven, and he took the punishment for our sin. And I was thinking about that, it is finished. What is finished? Do you ever ask those sort of questions about Scripture? We read these amazing um, statements of Jesus, and sometimes I start to think, well, what's finished? I wrote down a list. His suffering during the trial and crucifixion was finally over. So he cried out, it is finished. Also, the time of waiting for the Messiah was over. Even though some of the religious people of the day didn't recognize Jesus as such, because he came, he was born to die and rise again. So the Roman centurion says, surely he was the son of God. Those not raised in the Old Testament scriptures or the prophecies, but even those looking on said, this has got to be the son of God. There was so much supernatural happening around 
that event. What else was finished? He had fully paid the penalty for the sin of all mankind. I don't know if you've ever paid out a loan on a bank or a car. In the old days, I used to work in a bank, and they'd have this stamp they'd put on your loan documents when you'd finished paying off the loan. Anyone remember that? Paid in full. Some businesses used to put it on. Paid in full when you'd paid off your uh, account with someone. That's what Jesus did. He got this big heavenly stamp and says, paid in full. Your sin, mine, the punishment of that is now paid in full because of the finished work of Jesus on the cross. Our natural minds can't fully understand that, but it's a reality, it's a truth that the Bible says and that we experience in our hearts. Also, it was the finishing of the old covenant with all of its animal sacrifices and laws and ways that were recorded right through the Old Testament. And they were pictures and ways for people to prepare. And the, the priest and the sacrifice were all pictures of Jesus coming and being our great high priest. They, he paid the sacrifice of his body and his blood, which was pictured in all of those animal sacrifice, sacrifice and now it is finished. Also, the other thing that was finished is that separation from the Holy of Holies, which represented the presence of God. Jesus said, there's no curtain there anymore. When that curtain tore in two, this is the most beautiful thing. He says, it's finished, that separation. You don't have to be a special um, priest to get into the presence of God. It's now torn and everyone who's a believer in Christ can walk into and live in the manifest presence of our God. I think that is just so, so exciting. And if you get a hold of that, it is so powerful. I watch these faces of these people. I was listening to uh, that song again. What a beautiful name this morning. And I, all I could see was this picture of one of the singers in Thailand. He was from Indonesia. He'd been in Thailand for five years. And all I can say is his face absolutely shone. As soon as he started to sing, there was just a freedom, a joy. He sang it with all of his being all week that we were there. And it just oozed out of him this love and forgiveness and life and power. And I watched the drummer. Tim uh, sat down and, um, on the drums and broke their seat, so we had to replace that. And uh, it was all rusted. His cymbals were flying off because there was no screws to hold them on. So Tim and I went and, and uh, rebuilt their drum kit for him as a gift from our church to them. And he was so excited. But that drummer, Pastor Eric told me the story of him. His grandfather was a witch doctor and had been for generations. And his father and him were in line to become the witch doctors of a village. One of the early villages that Eric and Mariana went into 20-something years ago in the hills of Thailand. And a, a mighty move of God happened and he came to Christ. An old lady in the village got power, radically healed and the witch doctor was convinced that God's power was greater. So he gave it all up. He nearly got killed because the villagers turned on him. But eventually nearly the whole village came to Christ. Now 20-something years later, he's the drummer worshipping God with all of his heart. And he's just singing and worshipping this life of God just pouring out of his soul. I thought, wow, they understand they have freedom into the presence of Jesus. Sometimes in our comfortable Western world, we get a bit used to it and just comfortable and settled. But when you see this coming out of their face, then you hear their stories 
I thought, wow. And some of us have got stories of great freedom, but all of us can live in that overflow. The no entry sign has been pulled down of the presence of God so that all of us can enter. Sometimes you go into a new place and there's no entry signs and everything. How do I get into this place? You ever done that with a car park at a new shopping center or something? You can't go in there. You can't go in there. But God's taken the no entry sign down and we could all come in through the finished work of the cross. And how awesome is that? That's why it's Good Friday. It's Good Friday because we have now freedom in the presence of God. Mark 15, 38 says, This act of God signified that the death of Jesus ended the need for temple sacrifices and intermediaries and opened the way for free and direct access to God. Hallelujah. That's what we have in Jesus Christ. Another account of uh, this event was in Matthew 27, verse 50 to 54. And Jesus cried out again with a loud, agonized voice and gave up his spirit, voluntarily, sovereignly dismissing and releasing his spirit from his body in submission to his Father's plan. Wow, that is powerful. He wasn't just killed by Roman soldiers. He released his life for our sin and punishment. And at once the veil of the Holy of Holies of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The earth shook and the rocks split apart. The tombs were opened and many bodies of the saints, God's people, who had fallen asleep in death were raised to life and coming out of the tombs after his resurrection. They entered the holy city, Jerusalem, and appeared to many people. Wow! How awesome was this? Jesus cries out, it is finished! The curtain, the big thick curtain is torn from top to bottom, symbolizing freedom into the presence of God for all of us for eternity. Then there's an earthquake. The whole place shakes. The rocks split open. The tombs open up and the bodies of dead saints are walking around the city. Johnny goes out to play and says, you'll never guess who I chatted to today. Mum says, who? Well, we met Noah on the way down to the markets. He had an amazing story about this big boat that he built. And then we met Elijah. He told us all his stories about fire from heaven. That's exactly what happened, folks. We sanitize the scriptures. Forget how powerful this event was. When Jesus said it is finished, all of heaven and hell had to shift and move. That's what happened. And it says they walked around the city and then they went to be with God in, in heaven because they were waiting until Jesus died and rose again before they could ascend to the Father. I just think, wow, wow. Then it says, now the centurion and those who were with him keeping guard over Jesus, that would have been a job and a half, wouldn't it? As the guards of two days, three days later found out, he just bursts out of the tomb and, and they're, they're stunned and overcome. When they saw the earthquake and the things that were happening, they saw all that was going on. They were terribly frightened and filled with awe and said, truly, this was the Son of God. Oh boy, I just wish the movie cameras were there and got all that. Hey, oh Jesus, he was so powerful. It's finished. It's dealt with. It's done. 
I was thinking, Jesus' death on a cross accomplished so much. Let's look at a couple of those other things today just to stir our hearts and strengthen our faith and mobilize us to share this good news with everyone that we meet. Number one, we're redeemed from the curse of the law. Galatians 3.13 and 14 says, Christ redeemed us from that self-defeating, cursed life by absorbing it completely into himself. Do you remember that scripture that says, Cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. That is what happened when Jesus was nailed to the cross. He became a curse and in the same time dissolved the curse. Wow! He took on our sin, took that curse on the cross, and he dissolved it and broke all of its power. Thank God that we are free in him so that he redeemed us from the curse of the law and of God's punishment. Secondly, he took away our sins. 1 Peter 2.24 says, He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. Oh, Jesus not only came to deal with our sin, he came to deal with our sickness. Because it's all part of the destruction of death over our life. Tim and I were at this village church last Sunday. It was up in the mountains on steepest roads I've ever driven on in my life. On the sides of big uh, ravines. And this is where we went was the miracle of the water that came out of the mountain that Pastor Eric told us about a few times. Amazing story. Prophetically, before they went to Thailand, a pastor in Brisbane prophesied, said, I see a mountain, I see a village, and I see there's no water running for that village, and I see you praying, and God's going to release water out of the mountain. 13 years later, this event happened. They'd been serving God all over Thailand. 13 years later, he was at this village, and they had all the tanks built, but there was no water coming. The government had sponsored tanks. So Eric prayed and said, show me the source. So he went there. He'd forgotten all about the prophecy by this time because they'd just been immersed. And when he went up there and they showed him where the water used to come from, all of a sudden the prophecy came back. So he prayed. Two days later, he gets the phone call, says, you won't believe what's happened. Fresh living water is just coming out of that mountainside and it ran continuously for seven years and provided all this whole village and area with beautiful fresh water. And then it stopped. Pastor Eric says, I don't know why it stopped after seven years, but by then most of the village was saved and probably it had achieved what it needed to do. <laughs> and I thought, wow. And we were in this village and it was 42 degrees and the, the power that was connected, but it never, never worked. So there's no, we're trying to turn the fans on, but that didn't work. The power was off for the day, which happens up there. No phone coverage. And, uh, and then there was this old lady came up for prayer, for healing. And she had a very badly um, deformed arm or it just wasn't working. I don't know if she'd had a stroke or whatever. And she got prayed for, but she didn't get healed straight away. There's no way was she going back to her seat until she got healed. So she just stood there. So the rest of the service is going on. We prayed for the young people, anointed them with oil, and she's still standing there. And someone else prayed for her, and someone else prayed for her. After about 20 minutes, I look over, and there she is, totally healed, so excited. And the rest of the service is just going like this the whole time because she got totally healed. 
She just knew that if Jesus paid for on the cross, it was hers and she wasn't leaving until she got it. I thought, wow, we live with such confused, limited faith. I thought, she got it. She got it and she refused to leave until she was healed. And there she is just celebrating, rejoice. Everyone's celebrating and people are getting delivered and healed and set free around her. And I thought, wow, she understood that when Jesus said it's finished, it's finished. And we just settled for so much less. It just stirred my heart. I thought, Lord, it is finished. 1 Peter 3.18 says, For indeed Christ died for sins once for all, the just and righteous for the unjust and unrighteous, the innocent for the guilty, so that he might bring us to God, having been put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the Spirit. And we're going to celebrate that on Sunday, on Resurrection Sunday. And over this weekend, one more verse on this, Colossians 2, 13 and 14 says, When you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins, having cancelled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us. He has taken it away, nailing it to the cross. Nailing it to the cross. I remember being in a uh, youth camp years ago and we had this big wooden cross up and the pastor said, the visiting speaker said, I want you to write out what sins you're still struggling with to know that Jesus has forgiven you and write it on a piece of paper and go and nail it on the cross. They had a hammer and nails and you went and nailed it on this cross. And I just watched and saw all these young people all of a sudden realize that Jesus actually took all of our sins and the punishment and nailed them to the cross. I remember it was so moving for about half an hour. These young people, all of a sudden, it was like, wow, Jesus actually is paid. I don't have to carry it anymore. I don't have to carry my failure, my shame, my disappointment, my sin, my guilt. I don't have to take it anymore because Jesus has paid for it in full. We, we try to add a bit extra, don't we? Think, well, I've got to do my part. You can't add anything to the finished work of the cross. When it's finished, it's finished. We try to add our little bit of um, spiritual extra and good works and saying, well, if I worry a bit more, then it'll help get it free of it. No, it only makes it worse. It only increases the load. It's like that little truck you saw with Tim showed with a load sort of way over the top. Some of us get weighed up like that in our minds and hearts, forgetting that Jesus already paid the price. He's carried it all, nailing it to the cross. Thirdly, we're also reconciled with God. Oh, I love this. Colossians 1.19, For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile us to himself in all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your misbehavior, uh, minds because of your evil behavior, but now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death, to present you wholly in his sight, without blemish and free from accusation. Wow, wow, wow. The enemy comes to try and accuse us. And you've got to sometimes just point to the finished work of the cross and say, devil, get out of here because I am forgiven. I know the story. It's already paid for. I've asked for forgiveness and it's paid for. It's paid for. And sometimes you've got to keep doing that until it becomes a reality in your heart and soul 
and mind. We are reconciled to God. Some of us understand that even physically. If there's been a tearing of a family relationship, and I remember uh, my mum used to tell me about two of her uh, uncles, and they had a disagreement. They didn't talk to each other for 20 years. I never met these guys, otherwise I would have been banging their heads together, you know. I thought, wow, they were both stubborn people and they just wouldn't talk again. I thought, wow, it's so easy for us to have separation in relationships and how beautiful is it when there's reconciliation? Someone humbles themselves and forgives or there's just a willingness to let go. How much more greater is to know that we're reconciled to our Father through Jesus Christ? And we can live in that freedom. Also, Jesus' death accomplished eternal life for you and I. Eternal life. John 3, 14 to 16. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up. What everyone who believes may have, that everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life eternal life when you go into places like india and thailand where they have the whole concept of reincarnation or karma and all this stuff when you understand eternal life they think wow 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 this is so powerful this is so freeing eternal life with jesus i'm not going to come back something worse or better I am free and have eternal life in Jesus Christ. And what a beautiful gift. Moses lifted up a snake. The people had sinned and there were serpents coming and destroying him. And God spoke to Moses and says, put up on a stick a snake so they can look at a bronze snake and they would get healed. It was, it was, a, it was a picture of Jesus hanging on the cross centuries later. Nothing more mystical than that. It was just a picture. And anyone who looked at that got healed. I thought, wow, when we look at the cross, we can get healing to our souls, our lives, and our bodies. And lastly, the victory of Jesus brought victory over Christ's enemies. Colossians 2.15, when he had disarmed the rulers and authorities, those supernatural forces of evil operating against us, he made a public example of them, exhibiting them as captives in his triumphal possession, having triumphed over them through the cross. Wow, wow, wow. Sometimes the enemy can appear so strong against us. Let me tell you, Jesus is much, much greater. Much greater. And we've got to live with the power of that. And going on a mission trip reminds me of the power because often the strongholds of darkness are so much more obvious in some of those countries, but they're no less real here. They're just more subtle. And we need to deal with that stuff and speak, in the name of Jesus, you're not going to control my thinking anymore. In the name of Jesus, you're not going to hold our community captive anymore because the name of Jesus is so much more powerful, so much more powerful. And there's a a rising tide of the Spirit right across Southeast Asia because many of the younger generation have been severely disappointed with the religion and philosophies of Buddhism and Hinduism and all these other things because they are empty and the young people are discovering that and now they're open to the gospel in, in their thousands, in their millions. And it's a great day for the power of the gospel because it's light and freedom and our nation's the same.
There's a lot of people that are looking for answers. And I believe we're moving into a great season of freedom and reconciling people to God. And the more we are in the reality of this ourselves, the easier it is to share with others. That And no weapon formed against us will succeed, no matter what contends against us. We have victory. It's really interesting to note that God had planned from the foundation of the world that Jesus would come and be the Lamb of God, who took away the sins of the world. On the day of Pentecost, Peter gets up, the Holy Spirit moves, all these people get saved and full of the Spirit, and then he starts to explain a quick summary of the gospel. And in Acts 2.22, it says, Fellow Israelites, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did among them through him. As you yourselves know, this man was handed over to you by God's deliberate plan and foreknowledge. Wow, the religious leaders and Roman soldiers, they thought they were getting rid of Jesus. But God always had a greater plan, and he's got a greater plan in your life. When things seem to go wrong, when there's pressure or temptations, let me tell you, God's got a greater plan if you just listen to it and lift your eyes to him. And you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. But God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. Hallelujah. And we celebrate that uh, over this Easter weekend. So in the light of all these amazing things that are finished and what Jesus accomplished for us, how do we live now? I think Paul summarized it really well in Galatians 2.20. He said, I have been crucified with Christ. And I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. That is a very profound verse. We're not physically nailed on crosses. Sadly, you get people doing that over in Philippines or Mexico, trying to uh, appease their sins. Jesus died on the cross. No one else has to. We don't have to try and do that. But Paul said, spiritually, I have been crucified with Christ. My old flesh and nature, my old ways. I no longer live, but Christ lives within me. The life I now live in this body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Wow, wow. Jesus said, take up your cross daily and follow me. Follow me. That's what he calls you and I today. Take up your cross daily. What's your cross? It may be just the ridicule of others, family and friends, who say, are you still following that God stuff? Are you still believing God to work that through? It may be the cross of your mates at school saying, don't be so passionate or crazy or religious. It may be the cross might be learning patience to see God outwork his plan for your life. It may be the weaknesses that you've got in your own mind or body or life or family upbringing. You're saying, God, I'm just going to keep surrendering them. I'm not going to let them stop me. Wow. We're going to come around communion now. and Just for a few minutes before we finish our service, take time to reflect on the amazing finished work of the cross on Good Friday. And worship team, you can come on up. And we're just going to take a few minutes to honour Jesus 
and to dwell on the fact that we've been crucified with Christ. Hebrews 10.19 says, Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way open for us through the curtain, that is His body, and since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with full assurance that brings faith having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess for he who promised is faithful. As we take these emblems and hold them in our hands, I want you to, I want you to think about how amazing is this that Jesus has opened the door for you and I to live in His free, holy presence. Maybe you're visiting today and, or you don't regularly come to church, but you've come because it's Good Friday or someone invited you. In a moment, we're going to have a prayer where you say, well, I've, I've never really fully believed in Jesus. I know Easter's about something about God and Jesus. But today, it can be an opportunity for you to open your heart and say, Jesus, I want to walk in to the forgiveness and freedom that you've already paid for me. How crazy would it be if someone showed up at your door this afternoon, knocked on your door, and they said, genuinely, you've inherited a million dollars from some distant relative and they couldn't find any other relatives. It's, it's not a Nigerian scam. It's a genuine. And they've actually got the check there for you and it's all genuine. How awesome would that be? They knocked on your door and they sat down and explained it and you're sort of thinking, really? That can't be true. But they show it to you and you think about it and say, oh, that's too good to be true and you send them away. How crazy would that be? When it's not a scam, it's actually genuine money that you've inherited from a long-lost relative and yet you didn't believe it so you sent him away. You missed out on all the incredible benefits and blessings that could be yours if you'd received what had been your inheritance. There's so many of us in our nation Jesus knocks on the door of our hearts and says, hey, I've paid for all your sin. Why do you need to carry it? I've offered you more than a million dollars. I've offered you peace and forgiveness and hope and love and mercy and grace. I've given you a purpose. I'm going to show you how to live a life of freedom. All those things you've hoped and dreamed for, I'm going to help you get there. And yet some of us say, Sounds too good to be true, Jesus. See you later. How sad. That's what some of us did for years before we come to know Jesus. Some of us are still in that journey saying, well, I don't really, I can't believe it's true. It is. Just look around and see the changed lives. See the effect of Christianity over 2,000 years that has transformed 
hundreds of millions of people. That's the gift that we have. Why don't we stand in his presence today? Second Corinthians 5, 7 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old has gone. The new is here. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors. As though God were making his appeal through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So we hold these emblems today. Just close your eyes for a moment. Just let, let the reality of what Jesus did on the cross just burn in your heart. I remember when I was 17, the day I finished grade 12 at school, I opened my heart to Jesus. I was brought up in a Christian home, but that was the day I decided I I really needed Jesus in my life. And I'll never forget, I did it out of obedience and faith. But three weeks later, I remember I was in a little country church at Gumbungi up near Toowoomba. On a Sunday morning, and we were holding communion... And I'll never forget it. I was 17 years old. And it was like the light turned on. And I realized that Jesus did this for me. I knew it in my head and then all of a sudden it got into my spirit. And I'll never forget that moment with about 50 or 60 people in that little country church. A 17-year-old, I was holding the emblems and I remember... It was like it went from head to heart and I realized with a moment's insight and revelation that Jesus did it for me. Many of us have experienced that in one form or another. If you haven't, you don't really know. Maybe you know about it in your head, but you've never really received in your heart that Jesus died across for your sin and you believed it and received it and you walk in freedom. Before we partake today, I'd like to pray a prayer over each one of us. And I'd like you to reach out with your prayer. But if you don't know that forgiveness in your heart, maybe you've never prayed that prayer. Maybe you have somewhere in the past, but you realize today you need some stuff to go from your head to your heart so that this is so real for your life. If you've never experienced that or you want to reconnect with this amazing Jesus, I'd like to pray for you right now. If you'd like to be included in that prayer and say, that's me, I can feel it in my heart. I, today, something's been happening over these past weeks and months and I know that this is for me. If that's you, just lift your hand where you are and say, please pray for me. Just lift it up where you are and say, that's, that's me. That sounds just where I'm at. God bless you. God bless you. Who else today? So that's me. Whether you're young or old, doesn't matter. Yeah, God bless you. There's some here down the back. God bless you. Maybe you've never done this or it's a clear fresh response to Jesus anyone else saying yeah that's me that's beautiful God loves you so much he's been drawing you you put your hands down many others today 
We're just saying, God, make this fresh again today. Why don't we pray this prayer? I'd like to lead you in a prayer, those that have put your hand up. For some, maybe it's a first-time response. Others, it's a clear reconnection with Jesus. Let's, let's all pray this prayer together. Father God, thank you for sending Jesus to die on the cross and pay the full price for my sin. You've paid it in full. Thank you, Jesus. I believe you are the Son of God. And I open my heart and I receive you. And I ask you to heal me. Set me free. Fill me with your love. I choose to follow you. And I will lift up your name. Thank you for eternal life. Jesus name. Jesus name. Amen. Stay tuned for another exciting podcast brought to you by Bayside Christian Church.